0: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
1: A week, another Swarmcast. David Eichelt here along with Sean Bach and Dylan Byrne. And guys, it's... a uh it's Cyhawk Week, probably the most highly anticipated Cyhawk game of all time. College game day is gonna be in town. A lot a lot of storylines to really uh really get into. But first I'll start with uh how you guys doing?
2: I'm doing well, doing well. It's a busy week for school, which kind of makes the Cyhawk uh preparation a little a little less exciting, but um or the Cyhawk week exciting. The preparation's always fun, but um yeah, I mean it's been it's been good. Can't complain. <clears throat> We're
3: doing well. First two days of this week gone pretty quickly. So looking forward to to Saturday.
1: Yeah, I realized how quickly uh, things escalated. About the second, both game Iowa's game ended Saturday. It was Hate Week. It was Twitter Wars. It was who's going to be the guest picker. It just all this other stuff. But let's uh, let's ignore kind of that outside noise that doesn't impact the game. Let's just dive right into a couple of big storylines. I, I think without a doubt, the biggest storyline this week is Iowa secondary and the little amount of bodies that they have back there. Uh, obviously, Kirk Ferentz announced today that free safety, Kayvon Merriweather will not uh, will not play. Uh, Riley Moss is still out. Julius Brent is still out. And today also, Kirk said that Starting cornerback Matt Hankins basically put his status up in the air, didn't say too much to confirm if he would play, and didn't say anything to say, you know, make you think that he's going to be out. But uh, the bright side is Geno Stone is available. He worked out Sunday. He just tweaked his ankle a little bit at the end of the game. But, guys, the uh, the Iowa secondary is looking very thin right now.
2: So does that mean we'll see some uh, Terry Roberts on Saturday?
1: That's kind of what I'm thinking. Terry Roberts or uh, maybe even some DJ Johnson at the corner spot instead of the cash spot.
2: Yeah, that would be, that'd be quite, quite something to follow. Cause I mean, we've seen Roberts here and there. I think last week there was one play where he kind of rushed, they rushed him out because they need someone at corner, but Rutgers somehow got a timeout off and then they pulled him out right away and put Johnson back in. So I don't know. That was a trust thing. Uh, personnel thing or what so I mean that'll be that'll be interesting because we all know that Iowa State has some speedy wide receivers too
3: yeah I mean that's obviously you know you watch you watch Geno Stone go off the field last last weekend and then um, Matt Hankins gets banged up too and you're just like all right well let's get out of this before you know guys just start you know falling like flies in the defensive backfield Uh, Meriwether obviously did not play. I thought Jack Kerner did a pretty good job. Um, I think he needs to be a little bit better in coverage, but uh, overall pretty good for his first start. But yeah, the health has got to be the, the biggest thing for Iowa heading into this, especially the defensive backfield.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's huge that Gino stone is going to be, is going to be playing because I, I just can't imagine you got, I think West Dvorak could be next up there. Then you have two walk-ons at safety and you're basically down three, your top four cornerbacks, uh, defensive backs. Uh, Michael Ojemudia would be in, but then you have a lot of inexperience. Obviously, Iowa State, we didn't get to see too much of what they could do offensively. Obviously, they had a bye last week. And the week before, Brock Purdy only averaged, I think, 6.8 yards uh, per attempt. And Deshante Jones uh, had 14 grabs. Uh, almost half the completions went to him, so... I'm interested to see who Iowa puts on him. I, I, I do think that Michael Ojemudia is going to get that responsibility, but I think Iowa State's going to really move him around to try to get him uh, the best possible matchup. But the health of the secondary is it, – it's, you know, I, like Kirk said today, they're trying to get to the finish line. Next week they have a bye week. Then they can really uh, reevaluate where, where they go from here, especially with that defensive backfield. Uh, I know some people mentioned that they think Dallas Cradith could play, uh, maybe some Dane Belton, but you know, I don't think that Kirk's gonna really throw him in there. I think he's really just gonna have to count on the his experienced guys to put in a high number of snaps. Uh, like you said, Dylan, Jack Kerner did a nice job last week, wasn't asked to do too much. Uh, had some nice communication, had a good pass breakup, a couple good tackles, but I Iowa State's offense, I think, is gonna be a different animal. And I'm interested to see uh what their run pass option looks like and what Brock Purdy uh is gonna do to try to exploit this Iowa secondary.
2: They're just gonna throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball and they kind of throw at those guys too and see what see what they can do. I mean they have an explosive wide receiver group, a lot of speed out there. Brock Purdy obviously can not only throw it but very efficient on the ground as well. Um as we've seen a very solid dual threat quarterback. So yeah, like you said, Dave, it'll be It'll be interesting to see how they kind of go about what's the game plan, but I imagine that Iowa State's going to let it loose on offense.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, you can't uh, – you're going to have to expect them to run the ball a little bit. You know, they have three guys that are, are fully capable of doing that. I realize replacing a guy like David Montgomery uh, is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, and even Hakeem Butler um, for for that that much too. I mean, those are two guys that probably – I mean, off the top of my head, probably over fifty percent of their of their yards last last year. So, I mean, losing that, you only get one game uh, to kind of prepare for Iowa. Um, I don't think you know. Obviously, you want you know, to fix. You want to look at the first game, and you want to use the second game to kind of fix stuff. Them not getting a game, I think, is going to be big. I realize they got to sit around and watch a lot of what Iowa did, and they got an extra week to prepare. But I think not playing that second game is going to be something. Um, you know, that's going to play in the favor of Iowa as compared to Iowa State.
2: It's like the thing with baseball, too, kind of. It seems like when you play more games, your team kind of gets in the groove, more when you're younger, but your team kind of starts getting in the groove and they see the ball more. I think that's going to be, like you said, Dylan, you bring up a good point with that. It's going to be a similar case in that, that um, Iowa played against Big Ten competition, and granted, Rutgers is not the most prolific Big Ten conference team are very talented, but still that's a Big Ten opponent with some talent compared to who Iowa State played. No knock on Northern Iowa, but they're more of they're kind of down there on the totem pole a little bit in terms of talent. Um, so yeah, I think Iowa just seen another game and seeing a Big Ten opponent and no and kind of just dominating too, gives them a lot of confidence going into this one. Yeah,
1: you know. I know some people were debating last week what they'd rather have, if they'd rather have that extra week of preparation or if they'd rather have another game. And I think any other week, maybe after the first month, you would say I'd rather take the bye. But with it being this early in the season, I think that you'd rather have a second game to kind of work out the things that didn't you know, go so well for you the first week. I mean, we saw what happened with the Iowa secondary. Granted, like you said, Sean, Rutgers isn't the most explosive you know, offense in the world, but still a big 10 team. They still made some adjustments. AJ Epinesa kind of got loose a little bit more. And I think they have some more confidence And Iowa state. Uh, just had to sit at home and watch Iowa and try to get that extra week of uh, practice under their belt, which I think most schools run that bi-week practice, like a, like a fall camp. They're just working on the fundamentals rather than uh, game planning for a specific team. So I, I do think, though, if you want one defensive coordinator to have to kind of work with this situation, I think it's a lot of people would say Phil Parker, and he's been around the block a few times. So I, I, I'm interested to see what kind of game plan uh, he comes up with. But I think another thing that I really want to dive into as well is the Iowa rushing offense, because the Iowa State front seven is tremendous. I mean, they have uh, Ray Lima at nose guard, they have Marcel Spears Jr., they have Mike Rose. Uh, who had three-and-a-half tackles for loss in his opening game against uh, Northern Iowa. So, I mean, they have a lot of guys that can be really efficient, and they only allowed 34 rushing yards from Northern Iowa on 31 carries. So, I, I guess, what's the what's the real emphasis for Iowa to get that run game going, and how much do you think they're going to really do that, or how much do you really think that they're going to kind of go out gunslinging with Nate Stanley and the wide receivers that so far have proven to be a, a strength for Iowa?
2: I could see it being a healthy mix, honestly. I mean, Iowa State's defensive line is is solid. Um, the whole defensive unit's pretty good. But I think with a team like that and an opponent like this, you can't really – you can afford to maybe try to open it up right away like they did against Rutgers. But I think there's a little more talent, a little more athleticism, definitely in the secondary. Um, yeah, Greg Eyesworth, who's been very good this year. Um, at their star position. But yeah, I think it just makes sense to kind of see what you can get right away. I mean, yes, you want to impose your will, but with an Iowa State defense, you kinda gotta see your options, see who's open, who's kinda who's kinda clicking on that day. You hope both both your wide receivers and your running backs, and even Nate Stanley's clicking, but I think you kinda in this game you kinda gotta get a feel for the defense um and kind of see what's working and what's not. I I'd imagine that they try to open it up early on, kind of get that passing game established. But I could see a situation where maybe they feel a little more confident in the run game and against they feel confident with the offensive line who's done a heck of a job so far, especially Tyler Lindebaum at center, um, really just done a great job as a unit, really starting to click. And I think they could get, get the run game and then that would open it up for some play action pass to get some, get some decent yardage.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'd like to see him come out and try to establish that run right away. Um, on the road like that, um, and it's going to be a hostile environment, obviously. Um, and that's, that 34 yards per game, Dave, you, that you mentioned, makes them a top-five rushing defense. I know it's only one game. Um, but, you know, this is obviously a stout front seven, very athletic front seven. Um, for Iowa, it might just be about shifting bodies, you know, throw a sergeant at him, throw a young at him, and then get Goodson in the game, too. Um, you know, maybe if it's not working with Sergeant and young, maybe, you know, he's the answer. Um, uh, maybe not, but maybe so, uh, also, you know, establishing that run game is going to open up the play action pass, you know, a lot, a lot more to where you can find guys like Smith, Marset, and then, you know, Brandon Smith and Tracy and all those, all those guys.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree too. I I'm interested to see what uh, how Makai Sargent comes out I'm interested to see how Torn Young comes out I, I talked to both them today and Makai Sargent really he he's immersed in the rivalry now he said that he could tell in warm-ups last year that this game just meant a little bit more he called it the Super Bowl of the state basically so he said this is a game that he's been looking forward to all offseason so I, I think he's gonna come out and really try to you know run the ball down their throats and. Uh, exhaust that front seven because what we've seen kind of out of Iowa, uh, at least we did last week, was keep in mind Iowa's run game in the first quarter against Rutgers was bad. They only had 12 yards, but they kind of wore down that defensive front and then that third, fourth quarter, they just ran all over them. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that with Iowa State, but I think if they can get a couple explosive plays and maybe keep eight guys you know, out, out of the box, uh, that they can really do some damage because, like Kirk said today, even about the Iowa wide receivers, that teams have to respect them on the outside more now than they did a few years ago, and I think we've seen that so far. Um, and I think one guy I do that, I think Sean mentioned it earlier, is Emir Smith Marset. Now, look, I I said that maybe later in the year, Oliver Martin would be pushing him for that starting spot. I know we'd heard a lot about Emir Smith Marset through the off season, but you know, I it was kind of one of those, okay, he's been around the block, but I need to see him produce. Well, so far he's produced. I mean, last game I think was the best of his career, and if you just watch the way he route, uh, runs routes, it's so much cleaner and so much more technically sound than it was last year, and especially as a freshman. I think he's a guy who is going to continue to kind of be that big impact player and that big deep threat that, uh, you know, a lot of people have been expecting him to be.
3: You know, you bring up a good point with the routes. I think just from everybody, they've been a lot cleaner. Um, I, sp- I mean, I know it's a small sample size over the first two games here, but um, it just looks—it just looks better. Um, I know that route running was kind of an issue for a lot of people. You know, watching games with, you know, especially under Greg Davis with like the route trees and the route designs, and it just looks a—it just looks a lot better, smoother. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. it. Just when you're watching it, you're just like you know, it just looks a lot better.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it really does. It just looks different. Uh, I think a guy, even Nico Reganey, redshirt freshman, I mean, I know he hasn't had the reception numbers that a lot of us thought he would so far, but he's still making good impact. And I, I think that one, I think it was during the first week, he had a 45-yard catch. I mean, that was, I, I couldn't believe a redshirt freshman from, you know, that place for Iowa ran that route. Because he just absolutely juke the defender out of his shoes, and he was wide open. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see how he develops. And I, I mentioned on Twitter a couple times, but it's still mind boggling to me that Iowa put up 30 points, and Nate Stanley I think completed 21 passes, and not one of them was to a tight end. I mean, especially when you look at what Iowa did last year, that just seems asinine to me. So the offense is just looking different, and I think. I think Nate Stanley, I think Nate Stanley's a lot more comfortable. I don't know if it's just because of the more usage of the wide receivers, but I mean he really does. He just looks a lot more comfortable. He looks a lot more confident. And he looks in control uh, as opposed to maybe the first two years that he's you know he was a starter.
4: IXL is used in ninety-five of the top one hundred school districts in the US. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive twenty percent off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
3: Yeah, I mean I was done a good job kind of adapting their their offense. Uh obviously you, you lose Hawkinson and fan off last year's team and no offense to Nate Weeding and Sean Beyer, but they're not T.J. Hawkinson and no offense. So you kind of Especially had when to – look, look at what uh, T.J.
1: Hawkinson did during the NFL, his NFL yeah. debut.
3: Yeah, not too shabby. But um, they're just going to – they had to adapt. And, you know, obviously the talent is there at wide receiver, uh, Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith, both, both in their third years. I know Tyrone Tracy's a guy I really liked uh, out of India a couple years ago and then Reganey too. Um and then throwing Oliver Martin and there obviously there's your strength if you're looking at the passing game.
2: What was Dave, what was that stat on Twitter the other day that was like the amount of like pass interferences or something that oh, I Oh yeah,
1: let me let me look that up because that that's not surprising, was, but still crazy to look at.
2: I think it was like six or something like that. Well, in past years it's been like eight, ten, and like thirteen or something. There was one that was two. That's ridiculous. Was two years
3: ago, I'm pretty sure it was seven. Pretty sure which, 2017 was seven, and it's at six already for uh, PIs and holdings. Which, I mean, wide
2: I mean, granted that offense had Hawkinson and Famp, but you look at it now and you're like, how did that – I mean, and Wadley too, but you're like, this offense that they have now seems like light years ahead of that one at that point, you know?
3: Well, shoot, it feels like, it feels like Damon Jones accounted for four of those six on – saturday that dude could not catch a break mainly that was because also, he kept committing penalties but yeah uh. <laughs> that was
2: him that was him just being like kind of stupid kind of just making yeah, like, that bonus. one i mean granted maybe some of those could have been not P- PIs, but i think he was borderline enough where it was a good call i
1: was interested to see if he was gonna get kicked out of the game because you have that one on sportsman like conduct when him and brandon smith got into it and then uh I mean, he was just committing pis all over the place. I mean, that's why that's why they kept attacking him, though. Too is just because he the guy was not disciplined. He was not disciplined cornerback. No,
2: I don't think he really cared that he wasn't either. No,
1: I don't think he was either. (laughs) All right, I found the stat. Yeah. So, uh, I'll just read it. This is over the past six years. So, two thousand fourteen. This is how many Iowa pass interference slash defensive holding. So it's not just PIs. 2014 was 12. 2015 was 9. 2016 was 2. 2017 was 7. 2018 was 13. And there's already been 6 through 2 games this year.
5: That is
1: that, Dave? Uh, Thad Nelson uh, yeah, at okay. TNELS20.
3: So I mean, yeah, that's I mean, I mean, hard
1: to
3: me. Yeah, that's that's astonishing. Uh, but I mean, it speaks to the to the talent level that they have a wide receiver. It's not. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say it's astonishing. You know, you expect guys like that, um, that are elite, you know, elite level athletes to to kind of get you in that direction. And I mean, I want to. Was it four yesterday, four on Saturday, or five? I think it was
1: four. I think they drew two the opening week.
3: I think
2: Brandon Smith was accountable for like three of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and Reganey was the other one because he got held by, I think it was Hayes again.
1: I think Smith-Marset has two. Because I know he picked up one at least. Uh, But I think he picked up one the opening weekend as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's just bizarre to me. But – Again, I think that just means that opposing defenses are expecting what Iowa can do on the outside more because now they have to hold or they have to commit a P.I. to stop a big player, stop them from catching a ball. And when you think about Iowa wide receivers, they don't really – nobody's really had to do that before.
3: Not in a really long time anyway.
1: Probably since Marvin McNutt and Daryl johnson Mm -hmm. Coolianos. But, yeah, no, so – Kind of going back to the Iowa offense quick. Uh guys, I know I know uh Dylan wasn't here to give his input about how Iowa did against Rutgers, but I mean I, I think Nate Stanley has been not flawless to the first two games, but when you talk about realistic expectations, I think he's checked all the boxes so far. He's missed a couple throws, but he missed the one throw to Brandon Smith against Rutgers. But he came back two plays later and threw a nice pass to Tyrone Tracy, just lobbed it over the defense uh, to get Tyrone Tracy's first touchdown. But Nate Stanley's put together, I think, a really solid first couple games.
3: Yeah, Dave, you, you bring up that missed throw to Smith, and that was what I, I wanted to touch on. You know, he misses that, and he missed it by a pretty wide margin. Um, but it was nice to see him come back. They, they do the slip screen to Ivy Kelly Martin. Um, that picked up a big a big chunk and then i I really liked the patience out of him on that tracy touchdown because he waited for it to develop. He waited for tracy to kind of come open the the defensive back kind of got turned around got lost and tracy ran right by him so i mean he's he's been fine 57 percent completion percentage on Saturday like you said Dave's been missing some throws but i mean he's he's been pretty much all that you can ask for to, up to this point.
2: I watched that play, like, two or three times to see how Tracy got that wide open on that. And I couldn't figure it out because, like, the way the camera was, um, you couldn't really see it. But, yeah, I think Dylan kind of hit on all the points there. Stanley just seems a lot more comfortable. I think he understands who he has around him and kind of just is more confident in his arm, too, and maybe the offensive line as well because, granted, they're without Alaric Jackson. Um, There's a lot of question marks surrounding the interior coming in, but they've lived up to the, to the bill and they've done a really good job. And it just gives Stanley much more, uh, much more confidence and just willing to uh, just be more relaxed back there, which is a big thing for him.
1: Yeah. You know, I I don't think completion percentage is an overrated stat by any means, but I do think it's important to keep context about those incompletions. I I think specifically when you look at uh, this past Saturday, Nate missed, I think two or three throws. I'm like, okay, probably should have hit that. But a lot of them were just throwaway passes or just trying to avoid a sack. So, I mean, those are smart incompletions. And, again, I think his decision-making thus far has been tremendous because I can't think of a uh, really a play to the first two games that should have been picked off. I think the closest one was uh, when I think Stanley put a little bit too much on it when they were pushed back up against their own four. Uh, he threw it to Tracy, kind of bounced off Tracy's hands, and – lobbed in the air but Rutgers can come up with it but other than that I think I think Stanley's decision making has been what a senior third year starter should look like
3: well and I thought it was great to just when you think about the starting position over the first like four or five drives I think they're inside their own 11 yard line like five or six times that was that was where they started so I mean for him to be backed all the way up there and I mean, credit to Rutgers punter, who I know Dave, if he had a Heisman vote, he cast it for, oh, without for that a doubt. guy.
2: Without so a Oh, mean, so it he's the Iowa fan base.
3: He's the, he's the, really the, <laughs> the guy who saved it from probably being 50 to zero. Cause I mean, Iowa really poor starting field position for the first few drives um, mainly because of, of that guy. And I think, Oh, uh, third or fourth drive it was 11 plays 97 yards which Iowa finally got him there but he did a really good job of keeping them in the game and they unfortunately did not hold up there under the bargain being the I, offense and the defense I,
1: I think his name was Adam Korsak and yeah I mean that was the the best punting performance I'd ever seen I mean that was mind-boggling to me even professionally I can't think of a better punting game than what that kid had uh, I mean it
3: kind of overshadowed uh michael sleep dalton's too because he was really good i think he averaged 48. three, maybe yards per yeah punt. yep and i mean if not for, inside
1: the inside of the 20 twice
3: yeah and i mean if not for this guy um i think he took 10 punts and probably 44 45 yards per punt. i mean that's, that's that's really good
1: i think seven of them were inside the 20 if not eight but the best part about that entire game what came out of that game was when yesterday Big Ten announced that Ohio State's punter was special teams player of the week. Mm-hmm. And if there's one thing you don't want to do, it's piss off the Iowa fan base when it comes to punting because they'll let you know. And the, the, I think they ratioed the, uh, <laughs> they ratioed oh, the yeah. announcement with saying the Rutgers punter should have won it. And he ended up, did I think he ended up getting the Ray Guy Award punter of the week nationally, but too bad he's not the best punter, uh, in his own conference, but, uh, you know, that's, that's all good. But uh, anyway, to kind of kind of get back on track, uh, the Rutgers game, I think Iowa did what they were supposed to do. I think 30 points is fine when you consider the average starting field position because your playbook really doesn't open up when you're inside your own five-yard line for half the game. But when they were out of it, I think they did they did fine. I think it was a big learning lesson for Nico Regani as a punt returner. I don't think Iowa's going to uh, abandon him. Either I think he's still going to come back next weekend, this weekend and be the uh, starting punt return. Yeah, but turning I around. Mean,
4: sorry,
3: sorry, go ahead, no. Overall, just, no, ahead. I mean, for Iowa, just real methodical, what you would expect out of them uh, just came out disciplined and just got the job done. I know we were kind of talking about is there a shot that they overlooked this Rutgers team? Um, and I said no way just because of, you know, the veteran leadership, Kirk Ferentz and his staff. And then when you have a 30-year starting quarterback, I mean, they just they just looked really good i mean obviously i we know that Rutgers isn't a very good football team but to beat a team 30 to 0 that's i mean and they did it in pretty dominant fashion so uh what you basically what you would expect from iowa
1: that was iowa's third shutout in big 10 play over the last seven conference games which is i don't care who you play that's that's pretty good uh especially in the conference like the big 10 but l- turning our attention back toward Iowa State, I mean, I guess there's. we've already talked about the secondary a little bit. We talked about the running game a little bit. But, Dylan, what's uh, what's the one big thing that you're really going to be looking for uh, for Iowa to come away with a victory?
3: I think it's going to be getting the skill guys involved. I don't know. I thought that, the, that last week's game um, against Rutgers was going to be decided in the trenches. I'm not so sure this one is. I think I like both teams uh, pretty evenly. Um, it's going to be about which skill guys can make more plays. Um, obviously, we've we've seen a heavy dose of Iowas over the first two weeks here. Um, but as far as Iowa State, they got some they got some new guys. Uh, they're kind of going running back by committee, and then you lose a big guy like Butler uh, along the edges, a guy that can you know really stretch that field. Uh, Deshante Jones was was really good. Uh, for them against you and I, but small sample size, so I think it's gonna be about which team's skill guys makes uh um, you know makes more of their opportunities,
2: yeah, I think Iowa State obviously they got the wide receivers that are pretty pretty solid, but I think running backs too are gonna to be big, obviously, we've seen on their depth chart that they have the five guys listed as the starter, which it kind of seems like Brees hall um is the main guy at this point, the true freshman, I think he's gonna be a big key here. Um, I think he's going to be able to kind of make something happen. I think Iowa State that first game against Northern Iowa was kind of a fluke um, just because I think maybe they were playing not to not to lose or something like that or, I don't know, some, somewhere in that kind of range. But I think the big deal – the big thing here is just for Iowa, like Dylan said, is just being the skill guys involved and just kind of doing doing your thing, kind of imposing your will right away as we saw against Rutgers. And when they do that, when they kind of get confidence going early, get off to a fast start, then everything seems to flow flow a lot better. I think the defense to AJ need realizes that he's the biggest guy, most talented guy in the offensive on the on the field. Um, and as we saw with Iowa State, their offensive line kind of struggled in against Northern Iowa. And I mean, they got two weeks to prepare for AJ and the Iowa defensive line, but. I think even that is kind of tough because you're not really out there getting reps against those guys. It's going to be tough to block them right away. So I think just getting just it getting going on offense early and defense kind of just imposing your will and kind of showing that you have one of the top defensive lines in the country.
3: Well, and I don't know how you really, if you're Iowa State, how you really prepare yourself for a guy like Epinesa. I mean, he's, I think Matt Campbell called him a generational talent today. So, I mean, I don't know how there are many of those, obviously. So... I just don't know how you prepare for for a guy like that. He was he was uh, a menace against Rutgers. So, I mean, he, he's going to play a, obviously going to play a big part in in uh, what Iowa wants to do on
1: defense. Yeah, and you know, I, I think you guys hit the nail on the head, especially with the Epinessa point because, uh, like you said, Dylan, they Matt Campbell did call Epinessa generational talent today, but. I think the best way you can prep for him is you throw two, three guys on, on Epinesa and and try to contain him. But we saw what happened last week uh, against Rutgers because Rutgers tried doing the same thing. They just switched Epinesa to run around on the inside and have Davion Nixon or Cedric Lattimore absorb those blockers. And Epinesa got a free run at uh, Brock, Pur- I mean, at uh, McLean Carter. So I'm anticipating they'll do the same thing with Brock Purdy here. Um, But, yeah, I think the big thing for Iowa is to make Brock Purdy uncomfortable from the start, get, get a couple of hits on him, hurry him, make him make poor decisions, especially since he has not played in this rivalry. And for Iowa, it's to keep Nate Stanley clean. Nate Stanley has not had that much pressure uh, to, to force him into mistakes. Sure, he stood tall in the pocket a few times and taken a few hits, but Iowa scored on the plays when he does that. So they need to get to the quarterback – uh, quicker and they got to keep Nate Stanley clean if they can do that I mean I I really I really have a hard time seeing Iowa State winning if both those things are accomplished because I need to see some uh, playmakers emerge for Iowa State again granted it was only one game but like like you guys mentioned earlier trying to replace Dave Montgomery trying to replace Hakeem Butler I and mean, those two are big big time players and I just don't know who they have right now. I think there could be a guy in the future like a Brees Hall who's going to be, I think, a really solid, really good football player in the future. But his second career game, I, I do think that's going to be a little bit tough.
3: Yeah, I mean, with, with Purdy not playing in this rivalry, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you watch the kid play and he's so smooth with what he does, uh, throwing the ball. He's a, he's a good athlete. He can run it for Iowa. They're really going to have to try to keep him in that pocket. Um, That is when I I feel that they can start to get a little loose is when they start to let him pick up yards with his feet. Um, It's going to be a low scoring game. So, I mean, if Iowa state, you know, if if he can pick up you know, a few first downs on third and five with his feet and keep drives alive, that's really, that really could be something for Iowa that's kind of like, you know, it's because those plays are annoying. Like you're almost off the field. And then, you know, the quarterback picks up six on third and five to keep a drive alive. And, you know, they get down on their own into their own uh, territory and, uh, you know, punch it in for six or even a field goal. Because I, I don't see this. I don't see the winner of this game have more than 20, 23 points.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a pretty good guess. I mean, that's why I think the over under right now in Las Vegas is 44 and a half. And I think that's a pretty uh, I mean, pretty reasonable pick. But, yeah, no, and something I did want to touch on, too, obviously Nate, we talked about Nate Stanley is playing this rivalry. Emir Smith-Marset's playing the rivalry. Um, Nate Stanley kind of downplayed it a little bit today, but keep in mind that was his first road start of his career. Uh, of his career. He threw for five touchdowns and a triple overtime comeback win, um, and Emir Smith-Marset caught the uh, game-winning touchdown seal the deal. Uh, do you guys really think that he – can Stanley channel – what he did two years ago as kind of a confidence booster? Or do you think that this is going to be – it's a whole new ball game, especially with the way that Matt Campbell's done a tremendous job, I think, with Iowa State? Because it historically it was hard to build a program there, but it seems like he's got a lot of momentum right now. The fan base is riled up and they're getting some playmakers. But do you think Stanley can rely on what he did two years ago or do you think he has to go in there and not even think about uh, what he did a few years ago?
2: I think he's going to come into the mindset – of that, he kind of has to forget about that. It's a whole new year, um, whole new offensive weapons, whole new kind of defense too, here and there for Iowa State. Um, I don't think he's really coming into it. I mean, I think he looks back on the last game kind of like, "Hey, maybe I did pretty good. Why can't I do it again or even better with the weapons I have now?" So I think, I think he's more kind of forgetting about that last game, but also kind of looking at as at maybe looking at it a little in terms of like what I said earlier, just kind of he knows he can dominate there and he believes that he could probably do it again. Uh, if he could do it then, he could do it now.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm kind of with Sean there, but I don't know if he really needs to channel anything from, you know, two years ago, this guy already looks like a really confident passer. Uh, he's completing 64% of his passes, uh, six passing touchdowns, almost 500 pass yards. So, I mean, he's looked good already. And I mean, I, I kind of think that, you know, having that experience is going to help um, going into a place like that is always tough because, you know, it's a, they've got a good atmosphere there. It's a loud place um, and you would expect nothing less with, you know, the type of rivalry that these two teams have. So, I mean, I think he'll be fine. It's going to be, it's better for Brock Purdy than he's at home being this is his first start in the series. Um, but this is not Nate Stanley's third start in the series. So he knows pretty much what this is about. Um, so I don't I – mean, I don't think he needs to try to channel anything. He's – he looks good right now, so. We, we,
1: we talked about a couple of keys to the game. Uh, let's dive into a couple key players. Let's go with one on offense or special teams and one on defense. Uh, Sean, I'll start with you.
2: For Iowa or Iowa State? Uh, let's go Iowa. Okay. Um, Iowa, offensively, I mean, it starts with the quarterback. Um I think that's just how that's kind of been the whole narrative since the season or since the preseason, whole off season, and up until now. Um, Iowa goes as Nate Stanley goes, and if he's on, then the whole offense is on. If he's not, then it kind of, kind you kind of you have to rely on the ground game, which isn't, which isn't horrible, but it's definitely not ideal because I think you want you want your passing game to be to be on, and so you can find open guys and really stretch out stretch out the opposing defense. Um, defensively, I think it'll be, it's gotta be the defensive backs, corners, especially. Um, it depends on what Hankin status is. I think, um, you got Michael Ojemudie. I'd say he's probably the X factor there with Iowa state's quick, quick receivers. Um, if he can come in and shut down his side, then I think that'll give confidence to the guy on the other side, who's likely a young guy. Maybe like a D.J. Johnson or even a Terry Roberts. Who knows at this point? We still didn't know if Hankins is, is good to go or not. Um, but I think it's Moody right now. And then special teams, probably sleep Dalton again, um, just because we saw what he could do when he was punting at the top of his game against Rutgers. And I think that'll be big, kind of give the Iowa State offense a little less confidence, um, giving them kind of crappy field position.
3: Um, let's see on offense. I'm going to kind of go off the wall here. I'm going to say, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, say the center. Um, he's looked good over these first two weeks, um, but this is going to kind of be, obviously it's his first road game. And then you have to deal with a guy like Ray Lima, you know, 22 career starts, six, three, three Oh five senior guy who's been around the block. Um, Linderbaum was good last week. Um, but I thought there was a few plays where he kind of got pushed back. I think that could be, you know, he is a little bit undersized. I don't think there's any doubting that, but it's going to be up to him to kind of, you know, keep Ray Lima at bay because if that pocket starts to close in on Nate Stanley, doesn't get the time he needs, and Iowa's passing game could suffer because of it. Uh, defensively, I'll say Geno Stone, just being back there in the defensive backfield with what Sean said is probably going to be, you know, a lot of younger, inexperienced guys, especially if Hankins can't go. So I mean, just commanding the defensive backfield, you know, being that leader, he's going to be really key, making sure guys are you know in position, doing their jobs. Uh, so Iowa's defense can you know hold strong.
1: I'm so upset, Dylan, because I was going to say Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I think it you nail head say with Linderbaum, Linderbaum. Dave. I, I I think I think I think he hit the nail on the head with Linderbaum because I think the way I think Kirk said today that. The way Iowa State plays defense is something that they haven't seen in nine to ten years, and for a redshirt freshman to have to call out the blitzes and communicate with the rest of the offensive line and keep a first-team to the uh, first team defensive tackle like Ray Lima out of Iowa's backfield, I, I think Linderbombs could be huge. Uh, I'm also going to throw in Makai Sargent because Iowa has to get the running game going because, like Sean said, the offense works best Uh, When Nate Stanley is on and the way Nate Stanley can get on is if all the pressure is not on his shoulders and Iowa can consistently run for four or five yards to carry and break the occasional 10. And I think a guy that could also help do that. I'm interested to see if he gets any playing time. I think Tyler Goodson uh, just with the flashes he showed last weekend of being able to make a man miss. I think when you look at Iowa state's defense, the running backs going to have to make a couple guys miss And right now, I think Tyler Goodson's probably one of, if not the best back to be able to make a guy miss in the open field. Uh, Defensively, I think Jimon Colbert is going to be huge. I think Epinesa, obviously, is going to be huge. Uh, But I think Jimon Colbert, because of the way Iowa State ran their offense against Northern Iowa, a lot of over-the-middle passes, a lot of screens, a lot of very short passes. And Jimon Colbert has that safety background like he played in high school. Uh, really coming along as a linebacker, played well against Iowa State uh, last year. So I, I think if Jimon Colbert can be locked down, if he can just defend those over-the-middle passes, those short routes, and keep Brock Purdy from getting in a rhythm, I, I think that's going to be huge. Um, and like Sean said, I think Michael sleep Dalton. Uh, I think that the way he came back this week after – you no, know, the first week he only had one punt, but I think it was 31 yards. I thought he was tremendous. So – but, yeah, I know that it, it's going to be close. I mean, with ESPN College Game Day there, with all the hype surrounding it, I mean, this is probably the most highly anticipated CyHawk game in the history of the series. I think if Iowa wins this game, I think the landscape of the season kind of starts to change based on the way the Big Ten West is looking, and Iowa's going to go in uh, their bye week with a lot of confidence. And barring an upset loss to uh, Middle Tennessee State, Iowa could go to the big house top 15 record and if Michigan can beat Wisconsin you know <laughs> Iowa's got Iowa has a lot of expectations they got a lot of potential but uh if they get through this weekend I think it's going to be huge so let's just dive right into it uh final prediction uh and why I guess so Dylan uh do the honors
3: oh gosh I do not know I I know I picked Iowa State in our preview um, but Iowa's looked a lot better. Well, I guess not a lot better than I thought they would, but Iowa State didn't look as good as I thought they would. Um, I think Iowa's a two-and-a-half-point favorite right now, and I kind of think that that's where it's going to be at. I think the game gets decided by a field goal. Um, Iowa getting that second week to fine-tune some stuff in-game is going to be mighty helpful, I think. Uh, I will take Iowa 23-20. to 20.
2: John. I'm still I'm still pretty 50-50. Um I had Iowa State as well, but I think just based on how well Iowa has been playing lately, um I think it'd be a pretty it'd be a close game, but I think I'm going to give the Hawkeyes the edge, maybe like a like a 24-20 or something like that.
1: Yeah, and something that I I I totally forgot to mention, which I think is important. We don't know the status of Iowa State starting center, Colin Newell. And if he's out, then they're going to have a backup center in against very experienced guys like Cedric Lattimore, who's looked great, I think, through two games, uh, Brady Reef and Davion Nixon. And I, you know, that, that could throw off the shotgun snaps, it could throw off the RPOs, it could throw off the blitz counts. I mean, just the blitz calling out the blitzes. So that's something worth monitoring. Colin Newell would be making his 14th straight start if he uh, if he goes against Iowa. But like you guys mentioned, I, I I did pick Iowa in the preseason. I didn't feel great about it, but Iowa's offense looks a lot a lot better personally than I thought they would uh, to start the year. I thought they'd be a work in progress, typical Iowa team. Starts to get together around Big Ten play, but they've shown a lot. I I think the wide receivers are a lot better than – I think we wanted to tamper down the expectations. The wide receivers look good. The running game shows potential. I think this is a huge test for them. But, man, I tell you what, I I do think I'm going to give Iowa the edge. I'll say 20 – I'll say 27-20 Iowa gets a touchdown win – in Ames, Nate Stanley goes 2-0 in his career in Ames, Iowa. But, I mean, this really could change by the time the game time starts, especially if Colin Newell's eligible. And seeing what Iowa's secondary looks like, because I think, like you guys said, Matt Hankins is going to play a big part in this game. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to about do it for the Swarmcast. i something uh, for you here, Dave. us hear it, Dylan.
3: For all of you people who enjoy uh, – betting uh the Cyclones haven't beat Iowa by more than three in the last 15 years so that would be something to keep in mind
1: yeah that's a stat that's a that's a really crazy stat Dylan thank you for that you're you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy to me uh yeah uh this isn't going to be it for podcasting this week uh with Iowa State I'm going to be joining Iowa State 24-7 publisher alex hall said we're going to be giving a full in-depth preview iowa iowa state uh, breaking down the positions giving our final thoughts and predictions about the game and basically giving you guys a few days to really just get hyped for the game because it it, like it's gonna be the game of the week uh espn college game day is going to be there um i think again it's the most highly anticipated cyhawk series game of all time but uh that podcast wednesday night so be on the lookout for that. Obviously, stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com, 24-7 sports. Uh, for the latest, I know Sean will not be uh, joining me in my quest to uh, Ames, Iowa, but I will still be doing a solo podcast post-game, uh, breaking down uh, Saturday's game just how it goes. So as no, always, stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com for that.
2: I will, I will be doing other things on Friday night that I think the, the readers will like – you're not going to tell him? Oh, that's right. No, I'll tease him. You're not, you're just a little bit, little bit of a tease. Yeah. <laughs> well, Thursday and Friday night. I don't even know what he's talking about. So. I'm working harder than David.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the Swarmcast. As always, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest and be on the lookout uh, for tomorrow's podcast with Alex Halstead of Iowa State 24-7. For David Eicholt, Sean Bach, and Dylan Byrne,